Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We always find mercy, ample grace to help us. Your, our cup runs over when we're in your presence, Lord. There's just so much there. and We want to be able to receive it all, absorb it all, internalize it, and walk it out. It, the word is no good if we don't do it. And we want to be doers. We are doers. And we will continue to be doers. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue uh, part two of our message that we started yesterday. It was on the blood and the promise. Is that what we said? It was? I have to rename some of these messages because uh, over the period of time, I go back and get my notes and use them again. There's, I've got maybe like 25 years of notes in these notebooks, and so I don't want to keep giving the same titles over and over again, so I switch them up a little bit. And that's, you know, why I couldn't remember that one, because it was new to me. It's different from what I have on my page from 15 years ago or whatever. So, but anyway, it's, it's good. The word is good all the time. And, you know, uh, I was somebody, I remember uh, one of the older, uh, uh, ministers, you know, uh, in the faith, uh, said that he had read somewhere, one of the older, older ministers said, you don't really understand the sermon unless you preached it 50 times or more. You don't really get, you know, get the most out of it or whatever. So I thought to myself, well, so I don't feel too bad. I, you know, minor <laughs> little redos here and there, but the, the word is good all the time. And it's fresh every time we, we hear it. It's fresh every time we speak it. And it's fresh every time we preach it. And so, and, and by the anointing, the Holy Spirit takes over and he will give you different revelations on the word or nuances on what you've already learned and understood. And so he's able to get this word formatted, get it into a, a position for us to make it real and make it known to us so that uh, we're able then to to understand totally uh, the counsel of God that comes to us through his word. So it, it's a good thing that we revisit these teachings and re- reiterate them and refresh them uh, in everybody's mind. So we're talking about the blood and the promise. And we, we said that the promise really is a word that we speak that obligates us to do something. Amen. And we can all say words. Now, you know that for yourself. You, 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 have you ever had somebody that you know uh, in your life that never did what they said they were going to do? They just say it. And, and there's a place where people say things in order to sound right. They sound... Um, they want to sound like good people or they want to sound like uh, generous people. They want to sound like kind people, nice people. You know, uh, the the uh, serpent's tongue was split. Amen. Because a lie is always split between truth and not truth. Because it comes from the temporal world. It comes from uh, situations. It comes from needs and wants. And needs and wants change. Situations change. And so when you draw all of your uh, 
interests, your life, your living, your words, your your uh, everything you draw from the natural realm, it's changing constantly. So your your group of people that you like, that you hang around, this year may be different from next year because natural things change on a consistent basis. Your job may change. The people that you, your coworkers may change. So you're looking at a, a, a changing dynamic that um, if you're not careful, you'll start adapting your words, your thoughts, everything to a changing uh, situation, that kind of stuff. And so if if we're going to be consistent people in God, we're going to have to get immovable in something. You've got to get stable in something and then begin to speak from that place of stability. So when we get born again, our place of residence is the kingdom of God and based on his word. And we're stable people in the kingdom of God. We're not changing all the time. We, we may... Uh, uh, has circumstances changing around us, but God's word never changes. What he wants us to do with our lives never changes. That is the stable part of us. So when you become born again, you speak from a position of stability. You begin to seek God as to what to get involved in. You find yourself not not getting so involved in every little thing that you used to get involved in, you know, because you've got now... Uh, uh, a different frame of reference to draw from you when you get saved you have to be careful how you spend your time you spend your resources uh your words you you have to budget and manage everything in your life you can't be like you were when you were in the world because in the world when you like people you make promises to them you want to be around them but then when something happens, say, for instance, you said, well, well, let's go out and go shopping, you know, next Saturday. And then, then somebody calls you and tells you that person said something nasty about you. And you already obligated to go shopping. You got me? You feel me? And see, God wants to take the liar out of all his kids. Let's say it again. He wants to take the liar out of all of us. And see, we may quick in a hurry agree to do something for somebody because we're in a habit of liking them and all this kind of stuff. And then God will yank your chain and say, hey, you didn't ask me if you were supposed to do that. You never sought my counsel. You never sought my whatever. You know, you didn't check in with me. Maybe I don't want you doing that. Maybe I got something else for you to do. And so when you start living for God, you you start living out of that stable place of dedication to him, of loving him, of of uh, 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 being led by him and everything. And that keeps us from living in that falsehood, emotional. Do we like them? Don't we like them? Uh, what did they do for us last time? Should I really do something? You don't live like that anymore. You're not a liar anymore because many times we make promises based on how we feel at the time we say it. And let me tell you how you know you're growing out of that. You ever make a a, a, a commitment of forgiving, say like you're in a meeting and they ask for a pledge and you make the pledge. 
something in your brain is going to tap you on the shoulder about an hour later and say, you shouldn't have done that. Where are you going to get that money from? Who told you you had to get? You don't have to give that money. You just said you was going to give it. You don't have to give that. Huh? Now, we didn't do much pledging at our meetings, but I could tell you sometimes when we did, I, sure enough, I'd either get a phone call or I'd get an email or something from somebody said, I pledged at the meeting, then God told me later he didn't tell me to pledge it. Do I still have to give it? Well, what are you, a liar? What does that make you? Amen. And what is your conscience telling you? Is your conscience really telling you God said not to do that? Or does God's word say that you should keep your word to your own hurt? Now, who else do we know was hurt to keep their word? Absolutely. Your Lord was. A servant is not above the master. Amen. So you may have to, as a Christian, do some things you promised to do, even though you regret having promised it. I'm going to say it again. See, because let me tell you why we're doing this. I'm not trying to rake anybody over the coals. I'm not trying to, to, to put anybody down or throw any shade anywhere. But you've got to understand how the brain works, the conscience works, in order to understand the power of God's blood oath in your life. See, if you don't understand it on your own level, how are you going to understand God doing these things? Amen? So we're made in his image, and so God created us with a conscience that very much is active in our lives. And that conscience is there for a purpose. It's not just there to for window dressing and you don't have to obey it. You don't have to go by what your conscience says. You don't have to be guided by it at all. Amen. But but it is a, a part of the the human uh, uh, being. It's a part of God's being. He has a conscience too. Amen. And so we have to be aware of how these things are affected by our words by our thinking, and how having the blood there to wash and purge your conscience from dead works, from lying to people, from saying you're going to, some people will tell you they're going to do something and don't have a second thought about it, and many times will laugh at you because you believe them. You got me? And then sometimes people will make promises um with a pure heart and a clear conscience, but then circumstances will get get them down and they feel like they can't keep that promise to anybody. And all the married people say, you got me. Amen? Sure. Because if it weren't for forgiveness and, and forgiveness in a marriage, and really, even when sinners get married, they live in a kind of grace that allows the God lets them take make that vow just like he allows his people to. And sinners often can live in a grace and a help from God that allows them to stay married. Because a vow is a vow. And God knows that we're not able to keep our word to anybody without his help. So it's best to find out his will before you go running your mouth and spouting off things. Amen. And put those things before him so that we can understand how to spend our time, what he wants us to get involved in. 
uh, how there are some things that are blanket things to do. You know, a cup of cold water to somebody who's weary. Come on now, everybody can do that. You don't have to go pray about you see somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 you know, you'll see workmen in front of your house for eight hours a day. And, you know, I'll always offer them water and, and they'll say, you know, I got some in here. I say, yeah, but you don't have no Perrier. You know, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Just to break the ice to let them know that God's looking out for them or somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? You do these things. You have to do these things as believers. You know, sometimes, uh, and I, this was common on my street, you know, they'd be out there working and the sun would get very, very hot. Some of them days would be up in the 90s. And I got a refrigerator full of cold stuff. I'm going to keep it in there and just walk by and act like it's nothing going on. You know, you you got to think about these things, folks. And you don't know, but that might be the turn that 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 God begins to look at and say, "Well, I got to take care of her because look at what she's doing to obey my word, or look at what he's doing to obey my word." Always extend something beyond yourself, you know, to to people. And people don't have to be destitute and broke and and starving for you to offer them something. Just the fact that somebody cares enough about them to, to care about their comfort is enough to make some people more comfortable. It makes their day. You understand what I'm saying? You always want to be the person who makes somebody's day. You don't want to wreck their day. Amen? And so this is this is why we're here as believers. And these are simple things to do. You don't have to be highly anointed you know, praying in tongues all over the place and swinging from the chandeliers to serve God. You can do it with the simple things and the small things. But but we need to understand how our words affect our environment, how how our words and our thoughts are carried out beyond ourselves. That's really your witness as a Christian is what you do with what you promise, what you do with what you say you're going to do, what you do with what you you a purpose in your heart to do as the right thing to do as a believer living for God every day. And so there are many, many things that, that we, we can, can, um, help ourselves in, in understanding the role of your thoughts, your words, how your words are, are carried out, how we carry out the word of God. All of that stuff, you you you've got to to understand how that plays into your words. Um, when you first begin to to desire something from God, the first thing you do is pray, and we know that prayer prayer releases your word into something. It releases your faith into something. It releases your desire into something that you hope for. You really want this thing to come to pass. And so when you, when you understand what, what you're doing when you pray, you understand the power of your words. You understand that, that you are asking God to bring your words to pass. So you have to invest faith in Him. So you've got to be confident in God. Because the minute you pray, it passes from your control to bring it to pass over into God's control to bring it to pass. And so you're trusting in him that he's going to do what comes out of your mouth. So we got two people involved here 
But you have to understand when you confess it before God, you're releasing it into a higher authority and a higher power to bring it to pass. So the best thing you can do is release these these desires, these needs. All of this stuff is release it into God's care, receive from his kingdom, stay in the word and understand what it is that he's promised to give you, that he has for you, et cetera, et cetera. And once you release it to God, then it's up to God when it comes to pass, how it comes to pass, any of those things that come to pass. There are some things that we know that gather favor with God for us. So what you want to do is have God to always look at you favorably. Number one commandment is to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not be a do-gooder, but somebody who in your heart desires good for other people. That's what love is. You just desire good for people out of the heart of God. And, and you know that God can help you to help people to bring it to pass. You're more concerned about uh, you being obedient to him than you are people giving to you. So it's a flip around of the way we've always lived. We live in a, it, we've lived in that world of looking out for ourselves all the time, wanting the best for ourselves, wanting this for ourselves, wanting that for ourselves. Well, if you're living by faith, you've let that go, and now God's in control of that. And you've got to believe, God, if, if I do everything you tell me to do, you're going to treat me good. You're going to do me good. You're going to bring these things to pass and not pick up being concerned about you again. Not be concerned about how, how people treat you and how you look to people and, and, and you know, and, and so and so is my friend and so and so is not my friend. You gotta get out of that little schoolgirl and schoolboy mentality of doing things and get over into kingdom living and kingdom understanding because once you step out into it, it makes it easier for you to expect God to do you good. And many times we're, we're, upset because we don't have something yet and upset because you know we still have needs and upset because here I am going through this again upset 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 because we haven't really locked into that total trust in God to bring things to pass because of what he's done for us so we begin to understand how much God has given the power of the blood, the power of his word, what he means when he says, I will do it for you. It'll come to pass. What he really means, we should all relax. When we, you read, when you read Mark 11, 23, you should relax. Once you believe you received it, when you prayed, that should give you peace that passes all understanding. No more doubt anymore. No more concern anymore. Why? Because of the one you're putting your trust in, not how much you believe and how strong your faith is. And that's God's job too. You can't make your faith no stronger without his help. He's got to be involved in everything from beginning to end. You, you can't, uh, you know, you can't write him out of it. 
And so many times we get involved in our little teachings that we like and, and you know, steps and formulas and, and you know, this, I, I, I did this, I did that, I did that. We check things off like, you know, God is a checklist. He's not a checklist. He's God. And so we've got to begin to appreciate and understand who he is more, his character, what he's done, how much he loves us. And that forgiveness in, in, in all of the things that he brings into us with the power of his blood. So yesterday we talked about the fact that, that in a man's covenant, uh, they would, would, uh, cut their wrists and let blood flow into their hands and the covenant would end with a bloody handshake. That's what we have with Christ. Our covenant begins with him in a bloody, so to speak, handshake. And that appreciating that the blood that he shed for the remission of our sins should give us peace. Now, when you all got saved, when we all got saved, the first thing you got wind of was that you weren't scared of God anymore. You weren't scared he was looking for you to make you pay for anything you did wrong. Even though we were nervous about going to God, being new Christians, you went anyway. You prayed anyway. You asked him anyway, no matter what you used to think. You know, when you're a sinner, you're away from God. You're glad of it because you don't want to hear what God has to say about you or anybody else. You're not interested. Why? Because your sin has separated you from him. It's put him on one side and you on the other side. Now that the blood has done its job, if you confess and you believe that you've given your life to Christ, there should come now a peace on you, that bloody handshake peace that tells you all the the sins over, it's all forgiven, I'm not striving with you anymore, I'm not mad at you anymore, I'm not looking for you to do you bad, I'm looking for you to do you good. That's what peace in God really entails. It entails now that you're friends. You know, he's you're on the same side. You're on the same team. And so once you know you're on the same team with God, there is nothing that he won't do to keep your friendship. You're not keeping your friendship with God. He's keeping it with you. The Bible says he is the God who keeps covenant and mercy. He's keeping it. You're not. All you're doing is being obedient. And you can't be obedient if he don't help you be obedient. The Holy Spirit has to lead you, has to guide you, has to counsel you. He does everything. And my question is, why do we sometimes try and do everything right and then go to God and see what he thinks about it instead of going to him first and saying, God, what do I need to do? Help me to do the right thing. I'm doing the best I can down here, but I do need help because I'm not sure about, I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about the other thing. And so once we start understanding that God is, is, is a God we can approach, He wants us to approach Him. Sometimes there are things that are, are glitches in our life that happen and then we go to God and we say, God, why did I stay away from you? Why did I try to fix this by myself? Why did I stay over here trying to make sure everything was right and not just come to you right off the bat? 
And that's the kind of relationship he wants to have with us. He wants to have that closeness with us where we are totally dependent upon him. Even though we're, we got some experience in God, we know some stuff, we're, we're grown ups, et cetera, et cetera. He wants us to come to him first. He wants to set the agenda for us. He wants to save us trouble. He wants to save us difficulty. And so he knows that if we could draw near to him, we can go out full instead of going out empty and then having to run back because we run into problems because of empty. And so he wants us and he wants us to trust him. And so I just feel that that some of what we will talk about today uh, will increase your trust in God. I just really want that to happen because I want it to happen for me. You know, that we know that we can rely on him and trust him and we don't have to go out and try to solve everything and come back and look at him. So how did I do? That's not the kind of life he wants us to. We're supposed to live as dear children, hanging on his every word. Amen. And and then when we mature a little bit, we go out and do what we can. And, and then when we run out, you know, some of you have adult children. You expect them to call you if they got a problem they can't solve. If it's over their head, you expect that call. Amen. And some of them will call you just, just in the, in just wanting to hear your voice and hear reassurance and just catch you up on what's been going on in their lives. It's the same way with God, even more so. He wants us to have that closest so we can draw from him on a continual basis the things that are necessary for life. Amen. And and just check in with him sometime and say, God, you know what? I noticed you did this, that, and the other for me, and I'm so thankful. God, God I forgive me. There's sometime I just expect you to do stuff and grab it and run. But but I want to let you know I am thankful. I am grateful. I just want you to know that. And so keep that relationship. Keep that because uh, he's he's there for us all the time. He's there for us. Amen. So we said that the fact that the covenant man's covenant ends with a bloody handshake. And 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 this was what what the Bible refers to as the oath of confirmation. There was a swearing to one another based on blood if if i don't keep my word to you i forfeit my life that was just true in in culture and it's true in some cultures even now that people don't know how to get along unless they have something that they can pledge to each other that they won't fight one another they won't try to take each other's property they won't try to take each other's whatever belongs to them uh we know it as treaties we have treaties between governments now in this country you can't get along with anybody without some kind of written agreement and definitely some kind of penalty if you don't keep your word and so that's why god has our covenant it's the same pattern and so he has a covenant with us that he keeps with us regardless. It's a blood-bought covenant. You don't belong to you anymore. You belong to him. You are his responsibility. You don't have to make your own way in life again. You don't have to try and provide for yourself. You don't have to try and, and make friends based on you promising them things and, and doing stuff for people. Because then when you don't get what you want out of the situation, you're mad and you're ready to quit. It's just true anyway. 
because you you know the devil come to you in a minute and say you can't be no uh doormat don't let them walk over you when you hear that kind of stuff you switch it right off and you say god if it if it if it hurts me to give to this person i'm going to give to them because that's your pattern and that's your way and when you want me to stop you tell me and i'm not talking about husband and wife because you ought to know better you know, some people need to sow into relationships instead of looking for everything right off the bat. There's nothing there to, to, to harvest. You understand what I'm saying? So you have to continually sow into other people. You continually sow. And God does the same thing with us. He sows continually into our lives. There's no stopping what he, whenever you go to that word, he will speak to you from that word and begin to build you up and help you and encourage you and increase you he does all of that stuff every time you go to the word so he never quits sowing into our lives and that's so that we can be continual sowers into the lives of other people amen so there's no stopping on what you you would do to preserve a relationship amen especially a marriage you know people just quit too quickly you know they they give up on each other too rapidly and and those things situations need prayer. They don't need somebody to get the shovel out and start burying things. You need to start praying for people to see the light. You know, God has a a, a good relationship for people if they'll take advantage of it. Amen. And so, but you, it's going to require some humility. It's going to require some effort. It's going to require you so and quit complaining and quit looking for something all the time. Amen. And and this is the Christian life. Because why? Because you have an unlimited resource for love, peace, joy, goodness. You stay hooked up to God and it just flows out of you. It's supposed to flow out of you anyway, nonstop, because that's why we're here. That's our witness is to demonstrate who God is in the earth. It's not to to see what we can get. And, and if we don't get what we want, we plug up the well. You, you understand what I'm saying? You're here to, to be Christ in the earth. And it's a tough job without his help, without his leading, and without his power. It can be a pretty tough job. And so God has given us, though, everything that we need in, in, in this covenant. And, and we need to understand more about how God does does what he does. Amen. So there are several things that the blood has done for us in 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 this covenant that we need to understand. Amen. Now that that we found God, his life is dwelling on the inside of us. The blood was shed. Romans, if you turn to Romans chapter five and verse one, the blood sorry, verse nine, five verse nine. The blood was shed for our justification. Amen. Justification means that you are rendered innocent. Period. It's once it's shed, you're innocent. Now, there are times when you're more aware of that than other times. When you're close to God, you feel good. You feel peaceful. You feel full of joy. That's, that comes from a clear conscience. The Bible says that our consciences are purged from dead works. You know what dead works are? Sin, selfishness, anything that pertains to the self-life. You've been, your mind, your mind doesn't even quickly go to stuff like that. 
you know, unless you get involved in fear or something like that, that makes you more concerned about yourself than you need to be. And when you do have fear, you're to let that go and let that request be made known to God and pick up his peace again, pick up your innocence. So there's no charge against you. I don't care if your conscience starts bugging you or or guilt starts hindering you. You know, you need to go to God and, and tell him, God, you know, you have declared me innocent of all wrongdoing. And so I want to to know that. I want to feel that. I want to sense that. And many times we live with guilt, condemnation, bad conscience, out of the past, all that kind of stuff for no reason. Because And then what happens is if you feel guilty about something or you don't feel like you did the right thing, that separates you more from God. And then you, and then it piles up. The devil wants to beat you up with it for real then. So the, the best thing to do is to quickly turn that over to God. Say, God, I don't know why, but, but now my, my past keeps coming up in my thoughts for some reason. And I don't like living out of my past faults. I don't like thinking about what I used to do all the time. So help me with that, God. Let me get that washed again. Your word says that my conscience is purged from dead works. Dead works are also selfish works. Wanting everything for you. Avoiding people because you don't have the kind of relationship with them you'd like to have. All that stuff. Those are dead works, folks. And so we need to understand that when when you are justified by his blood, you are made innocent of all charges. You are righteous. You are holy. You are set apart to be used by God. That is true all the time. One of the things that we do, we, sometimes when we, we do mess up or we do wrong, we try to hide it and not really confess it quickly to God. You know, or, or sometimes it, things will make you, it, something, something never gets settled on the inside of you. God wants everything settled. Amen. He wants everything at peace. He wants everything right. And so, so part of what the blood does through justification is is every time you feel like you've you should feel guilty or you don't feel good about what you did in the past and all that kind of stuff the blood will cause you to remember that you are cleansed he will remind you that to because the blood really is the great rememberer it's the remembrance of god amen the blood actually reminds god that he has a promise to us you know, the, the people will say things like, well, you know, you, you keep uh, confess the word every day and put God in remembrance. Honey, he remembers. That confession is for you so that you don't forget. Amen. So that you don't forget that you're justified, that you, God has made you entitled to to good works and good things coming to you all your life. He's not made you to, to suffer penalty. Amen. The penalty is canceled. The blood, the blood canceled every penalty against us. So there's, you don't owe anything for your sin, even sins you do now as a Christian, sins you'll do in the future. You don't owe any penalty for that because of the blood. See, it purges your conscience. It, it washes your conscience away from the remembrance of anything that you've done wrong so that you can go through life expecting good. 
See, if you're just for, forgiven and not cleansed, you'll go through life with anchors on you, wondering, when is the other shoe going to drop? Wondering, is, is God still remembering it? Wondering. So when you get cleansed, you don't have any weights hanging on you anymore to hinder you from going forth rapidly in life and receiving what God has for you. See, there should be no lag in your your uh, expectation of God bringing things to you that you're praying for. There should be nothing. You shouldn't have that occasion like we all do. You shouldn't have that occasion where where you say, I wonder why it's taking so long. See? When you are justified and you know you're justified, you don't wonder why something's taking too long. Amen. Because what are you, what are you looking for when you say that? What are you fishing for? What's your mind fishing for? You're fishing for some sin in your life. You wonder what you did wrong to hold it up. Answer is nothing. Cause you're justified by the blood. Amen. And it sometimes it takes us a while to hang, to get the hang of that thing. Because in the past, you've always felt like you were bad because you did bad and you beat yourself up for being bad and, and nobody was there to rescue you. Well, you've been rescued already. See, God is more pleased with us believing that we're set apart and sanctified by his word than he is us sitting up feeling bad about something we did that's not right. Bad feeling is not going to get the job done. Justification in the blood is going to get the job done. And he would rather we receive our forgiveness quickly and move out in righteousness again than to sit back and lament, and I shouldn't have done that. Oh, God, please forgive me. Well, you're forgiven. Thank you, Lord. I received my forgiveness off and running again. Amen. And not stopping. He doesn't want us stopped for anything. He wants us to continue to pursue good and do good. And you can only do that if you are justified. I have a right to stand here before God because his blood cleansed me. And I'm expecting him to give me words that encourage me, send me on my way in faith and encouragement and hope of only good things happening to me. Amen. I don't expect anything bad because he hasn't planned anything bad for me. Amen. In Isaiah, God said they may gather together, but not by me. I'm not sending people into your life to hinder your life. I'm sending people into your life to bless you. Amen. Sometimes the blessing disguises itself for a season. Amen. And all the married people say, Amen. Amen. Might be a long season. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? But it's, it's there. Amen. It's definitely there. And so the same thing with us. I'm sure I was a disguised blessing to my husband for a long time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> he just couldn't figure it out. Amen. You know, I'd tell him things like, I said, you know, because we had, we had struggled early in our marriage, you know, and, and I would tell him things like, I said, you ain't going nowhere. I said, don't nobody want you but me. And he'd look all strange and get nervous, but he'd pick his newspaper back up and put it in front of his face again. Well, I was prophesying that we would be with each other till death did us part. And God kept that word. Amen. 
Amen. Because like you can you can see the devil working on people. He likes separating people like nothing else. Amen. Keeping everybody upset, angry, and then sometimes after it's resolved, you'll go back and you say, all that happened for nothing. Amen. It was all for nothing. Amen. Because when God resolves things, he totally resolves them. He'll get you back on the right street that you're supposed to be on. Amen. So justification is that you are are legally rendered innocent by God. Amen. Of all wrongdoing. It's good to not expect other people to be doing wrong and to put them in a pigeonhole and categorize them as, you know, they're mean. They're, they're, don't, they don't do this. They're no good. They're yada, 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 yada. You know, especially the blood bought. You're supposed to build them up. That person's a blessing. I know it's in a disguise right now, but that person is a blessing. Just like I'm a blessing in disguise. Amen. And and use your faith to build build everybody up. Amen. You don't care what people do. You have to call them what God calls them and see them as God sees them. So uh, the other thing we have by the blood is sanctification. And we are set apart by our holiness, imputed holiness from God. First Peter 1. One Peter one and verse two, he talks. He, he this is addressing the saints. In verse two, he says, "Elect, that's us. We've been chosen, folks. Everybody who's blood bought is elect and chosen, according to the foreknowledge of God. God knew in advance you you'd confess Him as your your Lord and Savior." According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us holy. Amen. Unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So the sprinkling of the blood is what caused us to be sanctified. Without that blood, there's no sanctification. Without that blood, there's no going to heaven. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses have a bloodless, bloodless, uh, religion. So the Christian scientists, they, if you don't acknowledge the blood, there's no setting apart. So that when you, when you die and you go before the Lord, you're not set apart as holy. You're in there with all them other sinners. But the blood is what sets you off from everybody else, and it keeps you set apart to be used by God. Amen? And so when God, and and God knows where to find you, he knows what to tell you to do, he knows why, because of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. And it cannot be taken back. God is not going to say, uh, you know, you're saved now, and, and, you know, I'm not going to use you anymore. He doesn't discard people. The Holy Spirit makes us very, very valuable to God. Amen. So he is not not looking to set us apart, not to use us anymore. Amen. You know, I know a lot of times people, you, you see this sometimes. You ever see ministers that, that sin publicly and lose their ministry? They got to go away for a season. Many of them never get back where they used to be. And it's not because God won't put them there. 
It's this thing up here, conscience. And see, many times, I think many times they don't really understand the power of the blood or they probably wouldn't have gotten into trouble they got into. See, because if you're sanctified and holy, you got to believe you're set apart and you don't do certain things anymore. Amen? And so many people never, ever come to an understanding of how powerful that blood is to set them apart to be used by God only and God alone, not by the devil. You know, and I'm not saying people don't get used by the devil. We all are subject to weakness. You understand me? But that's not where you live. That's not all there is to you. There is this this set apartness unto holiness by God where your words are holy, your thoughts are holy, your desires are holy, your expectations are holy. And what does that mean? That means it comes from the throne of God. Whatever comes from God's throne, that's what you expect. So you don't expect bad things to happen to you. You don't expect disappointment. You don't expect trouble. If you're a holy person, you're set apart, you expect nothing but good. Well, you know, bad stuff has happened to me. Welcome to the club. We're in the world, but we're not of it. As long as you're in the world, your flesh is going to be subject to hurt over some things. You know, words will hurt you when when people say them. All that kind of stuff will be true. But that doesn't negate you're set apart by God for better things. Amen. For great things. For good things to happen. And when I say good things, I just mean, you know, things that make your life pleasant. I'm not talking about you going standing in front of millions of people doing anything for God. You know, there's more good in the world than than that kind of stuff. I'm talking about just having a, a pleasant life, having friends, having people, the church people that you like, other saints that you can keep company with, that you can chat with. They'll pray for you. You pray for them. They have your best interests at heart. That kind of good. And so when you're set apart by God, he knows how to find you to bless your life. He knows how to find you to bring things good for you into your life and to enrich your your everyday experience with him, to enlarge the expectation of good on the inside of you, because good won't come to you if you don't expect it. Good will be over here and you're expecting bad. You just moved. You understand me? And so this is and this is how the enemy is able to wreck things for people. Change your expectations so that, you know, you, you get in the word for a couple of days and you feel good about certain things and then something happens. And you give in to that thought of discouragement. You give in to that and you mope around for a season and all that kind of stuff. Well, God had good coming for you over there in the land of good while you were expecting it. The devil made you move. So we have to stay expecting. That's what set apart people do. You know, God, no, I'm not going to expect anything bad. I expect good only. I expect good news all the time. I expect you to do me good. I expect you to put good people around me, encouraging people around me. I expect you to pe- put people around me who remind me of your word. Amen. Not failure and not trouble and all that kind of stuff, but remind me of your word. How many times do we get around people who are negative? You try to avoid people like that if you can. You get around people going to remind you what God says about your situation. Remind you what God's going to do for you. Remind you that God is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. And it's not that you can't pray by yourself. I can pray my own prayers. Whoopie-doo. Huh? 
it's best to get some some agreement with stuff. Amen. If nothing, it'll make you know. I uh, uh, I got a a text from somebody this week. You know the the needed prayer because they they needed something had come up in their business and they needed a, a remedy for that. And so. Just a simple prayer, Pastor Barb, you busy, can, can, you've got time for call and, and we discuss it and we say, oh, we're just gonna pray and, and God's, we're gonna agree God's gonna get that here soon. It showed up the next day when it was slated for next week. Just a simple prayer of agreement. You got me? It increases your expectation of good. You shouldn't be going around looking for the other shoe to drop. Ah, that ain't kingdom living. You got you got to be out there, right, Poppy? You got to be out there one hundred percent, amen. And expect good. You know, I I I learned how to leave my house thanking God for something. You know, I'm going to church this morning, Lord. I know you got something for us, and you know, just in my thought life, I was listening to uh, um, Henry Groover this morning. I woke up at four in the morning and I always put some word on you know why the devil will make sure I go to sleep if I'm trying to listen to the word that's mean ain't it but that's my pill you know if I get some if I get some word in and I listen to a good portion of it and then it wakes me up again but I know that sleep will come quickly when I'm trying to stay focused on God's word and I, I like doing that I like to keep the word on while I'm sleeping you know and that sets me up for whatever day I have. You know, whatever kind of day I'm going to have, it starts out with my spirit being edified and, and built up in the word. And so I, I got a, a text from, from Howard was here already. Apparently he asked me for the number of the guy that did our snow plowing last year. And I said, well, and it didn't dawn on me. He's at church and it needs to be plowed now so i said oh okay i gotta look for it when i find it i'll send it to you instead of stopping what i was doing and getting a number for then when i got in the car and got halfway here it dawned on me i said oh it's probably snowing in the yard at church i need to get on this so i did send that number to howard but in the meantime somebody with a big plow on the front of his church pulls out behind me on my street kinsman i run kinsman huh I'm running on it with God now. You understand me? But me and baby brother used to run together up and down Kinsman. Anyhow, I still own it. I own it for God now. But, uh, you know, whenever you travel somewhere, you need to learn how to own the road. You don't want the devil coming up giving you no accidents or blowing out your tires. You got to own stuff. Amen for God. But anyway... This it trust I I checked it out too. I said, Oh, he got a plow on the front and I looked in the back, he had a snow blower in that cage back there. He pretty outfitted, ain't he, Howard? And so I stalked him all the way to church. And I noticed that every time I turned, he turned. And I said, Well, Lord, if this is our man, let me get a number or let me flag him down or or I would have bumped into him with my car, but it's a rental. I got a rental again. <laughs> You must be our our snowplow guy. Good morning, <laughs> you know. But but anyway, I was able to pull pull alongside of him, so I'm gonna be high tech, right? 
take a picture of the side of his truck. The phone number's on there. I got everything but the phone number. I saw, oh, Lord. So then I finally pulled alongside of him when we got to 55th Street, and I saw the whole number. I said, well, your memory's better. You don't need no camera. You can memorize that. So I called him right away. And sure enough, I said, did you just go past me? I said, I'm at my church. Are you busy? He said, no. He said, who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm the white blazer. I was right beside you for a while. And he said, where are you at? I said, the church. <laughs> he said, I'll come over there. And sure enough, nice guy, right, Howard? Yeah, Poppy liked him, you know. So, you know, you can, women, you can flag them down. But if a man's in the you know, picture, you seek the men on them. Amen. So you don't have no nonsense. So anyway, we worked out a good deal. He did a beautiful plow job, you know, everything taken care of. Why? I expect good. Amen. You should expect good all the time. I didn't expect to miss him. I said, Lord, if he's our man, let me pull up beside him and get that number. Remember that number and call him. And sure enough, he was right there. And it only take him. He he was around the corner. He doubled back in five minutes. He was in the yard and it was done. And so in a good price, usually people catch you in a hurry and a pinch and they gouge you. But but he gave us a good price. Amen. So he going up to Pastor Shirley's do her yard. So it's, everybody got some plow to do. Yeah. I mean, it's just the right thing. When God does something, he does what? Exceeding abundantly. Amen. Beyond all we can ask or think. So don't, don't under, but you got to expect good, folks. You can't go out the house. Oh, Lord, it's gonna, I ain't know if I'm going to get in this yard. Listen, if I got out the house, I get in the yard. You got me? <laughs> if I get here, I'm getting here. Amen. So this, this is how you live. Amen. God is not going to drop you in the middle of helping you. What kind of stuff is that? Amen. Praise God. So Romans 3, if you'll turn there, the blood is our propitiation. I know you're familiar with that word. So we're going to talk about what it means. To propitiate really means to appease. Amen. It's from someone with power who's angry. The blood appeases them. It it calms them down, causes them not to be angry. So when you say God's not mad at us anymore, it's because of the blood, not because you did good yesterday for the first time and who knows when. Amen. Amen. So Romans 3.25, it says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. And that's what we're attempting to build in ourselves right now. We're attempting to build faith in his blood. Because if you have confidence in what the blood did for you, you'll realize that God is not mad at you. He's not mad at the world. Amen. As long as they'll submit to him and confess, he's not mad because he invites everybody to receive Christ in remission of their sins. And so when when we look at the fact that God's not angry at us, what does that mean? No punishment, no diminishing of of uh, what he wants to bless us with. Every blessing that he ordained from you from day one is still active. If the sin you committed before you met him didn't didn't wipe it out, 
Amen. Sins you commit after you you do less sinning now than you ever did. If you're a Christian, you know some things people hang on to because they like to nurse a lot of little stuff. You know, little crazy, little crazy habits, little crazy. You know, like if if I would cut out the the you know three gumdrops at night that grow into fifteen. Do you understand what I'm saying? I could make some progress. So it's, it's stuff like that that hangs on to saints. Most of us ain't doing that really big. You know what I'm saying? There's some people that let the devil, you know, goof them up and convince them they can't do no better. You know? But, but for the most part, it's little foxes spoil the vine for us. You know? And, and those are little things. If you can get rid of big things, you can get rid of little things too. You know, you can cut those out. And so God is not looking for us to pay us back for nothing we did wrong, okay? But he's looking for us to prepay. You got me? Propitiation means we get prepaid. Because God starts doing good for us day one. We don't have to have no good works banked up. We don't have to do, look at, look at our giving over the years. Start and stop, start and stop. You know, you, you want to be dedicated in your giving, but stuff comes up and you just get nervous and you got to take care of that over there. I'm just telling you from, from my experience how, how it's worked with me. And so, and that's a common thing. God ain't mad at you about your giving. Do you understand me? Not mad at us about anything. He's wanting to help us to learn how to live by faith so we can do a better job at everything that we do. So all of God's efforts toward us are to help us to learn his ways so that we can do things on a bigger scale, better scale, more consistent. It's a consistency that will will do us the most good. Amen. So we are being freely justified by his grace through the redemption that that is in Christ Jesus and he set Jesus forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sin so his righteousness causes our sins to be forgiven amen so so through his uh the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God Amen. And so God is is long suffering. He's he's actually he's pursuing us to put righteousness upon us. That's that's what forbearance really is, that he's pursuing us to impart righteousness to us. Conviction of sin. You know, we look at conviction. Oh, uh, I'm under conviction. We hate to say that word. We hate to think we're convicted. Why? What, what all that means is that his righteousness, he's forbearing us through our sin to impute righteousness to us. He's tracking you down so that he can get you to confess that, get it out of the way, and your righteousness is established again. He's not looking for us. He's not convicting you of your sin to make you feel bad only. You got to feel bad to know you did something wrong. That's just the way we're built as human beings. But you're not feeling bad, and that's the end of the story. You feel bad. So, oh, Lord, I see it. Now I see what I did. Please forgive me. 
So he pursued you with conviction so you could confess. All guilty people should confess, right? Except prisons is full of people who's innocent somehow. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) Some people, if they would just get honest before God, they can get out. It happens all the time. People get in prison, they hear the gospel for the first time, yield to it, get saved, or you know they got a, a sentence reduced. Amen? And and sometimes just expunge. Just you never did that. You know, when the world does that, that's definitely a move of God. That's that's definitely God moving on your behalf is to have your record totally cleaned off like you did nothing wrong ever. Amen. So wonderful. So propitiation really means payment. It means that that there's no nothing left over. Like it's not let like anything you did is so bad it can't be forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And you said it right before God and he sets you off on a path of righteousness from this day forward. He does the whole job. The the blood does the whole job. And so when 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 he is our propitiation, that means he is our payment and and our uh um uh God then is appeased. He's not mad anymore. He's, he's settled. He's at peace with us. Amen. It, to propitiation also means to placate, which means that there's a person that has the power to withhold something from you, but they ease up and let you have it. Amen. That's the way God is. See, we're never to think we're, we didn't do anything wrong. You, you know better than that. So you can't go around lying to yourself, but you can immediately transfer that guilt, that responsibility, all that over onto Jesus. Amen. Because he's a faithful creator. He will take care of us from beginning to end. He won't leave you there. Amen. You're born in sin. You didn't choose to be. It just happened that way. And so God being a faithful creator takes care of that. He says, okay, I'm giving you a chance now to be redeemed and to get your righteousness back. Amen. You were created righteous. Sin came in, but you didn't do that sin. It was transferred onto you from generations. And so that's why we give a second chance over and over and over again. Because God knows that, that it's not through a choice of ours, but a generational choice that we fell into that. So he has to be fair about things. In fact, more than fair. That's why he more than makes up for anything that's lacking or missing in our lives. That's why he puts no limit. He says, I'll do exceeding abundantly beyond all. Because i got to make up to you for the things that were taken away from you. That's my job. Amen? So it's not up to you to, to is he, it's me against the world. i got to go out here and get mine. And You know, it's just crazy. You can't get nothing, amen, and nothing more than what God has for you. But I'm telling you, if you put God in charge of it, what he gives to you is so much more than you could get on your own. You could never imagine the things that that you are doing or you're capable of doing in your life that God will do for you that are greater than what you could do on your own. On my own, I'd messed up my marriage in seven years. You understand what I'm saying? It was over. Over for me. You know, and I had the attitude. I said, well, <laughs> really? You want a divorce? 
Well, help yourself. I'm gone. Until depression hit me. So you don't bank on none of the, you know, I'm cool and all that. You know, nobody talk to me like that. You don't treat me like that. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff your flesh thinks it can do great. Amen. The depression hit me and I couldn't do anything for myself. I saw I wasn't going nowhere. So I had to stay somewhere and cry out to God. Amen. And thank God he answered me. Thank God I realized I was on the totally wrong road. I wouldn't be here today preaching, doing the things I've done for God over the years if I had just, if, if I hadn't hit a wall that stopped me. Amen. God didn't stop me. That wall stopped me. Because depression was what the wages of sin is depression, is death, is all of that stuff. So I was getting the wages paid to me for my sinful life. So I had to get God to get me out of it. There was no answer for me but God. Amen. And so there are some things in our lives that are there's no answer for us but God. And we've got to be confident in God enough to take his answer. So the fact that he is appeased. He's satisfied. He's not angry anymore. The blood calmed him down so he could love us with an everlasting love that that we could not experience without that blood being shed on our behalf. Amen. And it's very, very powerful to know that blood. God doesn't even think wrong about us. When we sin, all he does is put conviction on us for our good. So we can confess it, he can wipe us clean again, and we can come back to loving him and have fellowship with him again. So the blood says, I missed you, but I'm not going to miss you anymore. I'm going to keep up with you. I'm going to always be there for you, and I'm going to give you a way to get back to me. Amen? And so when we understand that, about the power of the blood, then we can rest better. We can be more comfortable. We don't have that nagging conscience. What do I need to do? And did I do this right? And I messed up. And how can I fix it? You'll never fix you. That's why you got born again. You admitted that day one you got saved. You'll never, you, you'll never fix yourself. Amen. And so once we understand that God is appeased once and for all, There's nothing else we need to do to make God happy with us. He's already happy with us, even though we haven't done a whole lot of nothing. He's just happy with us, period. Amen. Ephesians 1, 7 says, we have redemption through his blood. We are purchased out of bad things over into good things, if you want to say that. Amen. It's it's a wonderful thing to be redeemed. Amen. That means that there's no power greater that can buy us back. So the devil can't have you. You know, people get upset about wrong and wrongdoing. Why? Because God can turn it into good anytime, anywhere. Amen. Because of redemption. Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. The blood provides everything, Father. Folks, there is the understanding that life is in the blood. Once Jesus poured his life out for you, 
the father accepted it as purchase for you and you were purchased over into him, now you belong to him. That's the best place to be is belonging to God. You don't want to be free out on your own somewhere, you know, running around. You can go either way you want to. When you're purchased, that means if somebody tries to snatch you, God snatches you back. Do you understand me? If, 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 if say for instance here, Miss Nola, this is your purse. You, you, you come and get your purse. And see, I say, okay, that's yours. No, it ain't. You see, and see, she'll snatch it back because I've given it to her and she knows it's hers. And see, that's the way God treats us. He's not going to let the devil just have you and, and have, uh, his way in your life and treat you bad and take stuff from you and, I don't care what kind of wrong you've done. Amen? You know, my mother would, would get angry at us if, if we didn't, you know, you'd be running home, somebody chased you home. And she would, she would have to find out who that was. And if they were bold enough to kind of try and come to your front door chasing you, she'd go to that front door and she said, what you doing here? Ain't nobody would you get on off this portion. She get a broom or something and chase them off. And then she said, I'm whooping you when I get for, for running from them, right? Cause you belong to them. Well, see that God ain't your mama. He's better than your mama is. Amen. He'll take you in the house and he'll sit you down and say, now listen, I got you back in here now, but you're not going to run from them no more. And I'm going to show you how. Amen. I'm going to tell you how. See, he can tell you things your mother could never tell you. She would have if she'd known the secret, but she couldn't tell you those things. And God will teach us how to fight back. He's not going to just let you be chased by the devil forever, let you be sick forever. He'll take you aside and teach you how to 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 use the word to get your healing. He did that with me, and I wasn't even in a church. I was a new Christian, and God healed me from depression. How? He took, he, he made up his mind when the blood was shed that I belong to him. When you belong to somebody, they don't let the devil take over. They don't let the devil beat you up. They don't let the devil. You understand what I'm saying? And you don't have to do a thing to, to defend yourself. All you got to do is go about your business being happy. Amen. And loving God and doing what God wants you to do. You don't have to do anything against anybody. You know, just begin to declare who you are and know who you are in Christ. And know who you are. It's because of the blood that's shed for you. One time shedding of blood has done us, opened you up to a whole new world of righteousness. There's no penalty against righteousness, God's righteousness. There's no law in the world that can accuse you and, and try you and convict you and penalize you because of wrong that you do. I know it don't sound right, but it's true. The blood did all of that for you. It'll mess your head up real bad. And you'll find God being good to you. And you just have been mad all day long and talking evil about folk and all kind of crazy stuff. How do you think God reverses that? It's because the blood's been shed. He can't, he can't get upset with you. He don't have a bad bone in his body toward any of the blood bought. Period. He's not looking for you to pay you back for nothing. You, he's been paid. He's he's appeased. He's satisfied. The blood satisfied him that you were paid for, no matter what you do. 
Amen. We were enemies of God while we were yet sinners. And Jesus died for us while we were sinners, while we were enemies. How much more is he going to do good things for us now that we belong to him? Amen. So once you, you, that, that person belongs to you, they are yours to love, to bless, to help. He still wants to increase our righteousness. He still wants to increase us every day. He still wants to bless us with all things. Amen. Hebrews 9, 12 says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Amen. So, so we are redeemed until we get to heaven. We're redeemed toward heaven, folks. We are allowed even to bring heaven down here on earth. Amen. And, and God wants it that way. He wants you to live like, like uh, in Jacob's ladder. He saw angels ascending and descending. There was like a constant communication and transference of goods from heaven down here to earth for those people who believed in God. And so he wants us to, to live like that. He really, really does. So, so really God has given us an oath to bind him into remembering us. I know, you know, we have scripture that says, uh, 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 put me in remembrance of, of, you know, the things that you want or the things that you need. I forgot to write that scripture down, but I think you're all familiar with it. I think it's in Isaiah or something like that, an Old Testament scripture that God says, put me in remembrance of of those things. Well, that was Old Testament. Amen. When you speak the word, when you pray, when you confess the word, you are putting yourself in remembrance of what God has already done, but you need to know that the blood is is has him bound in his conscience to always remember you. So it's not like you're trying to hey God Remember me? I, I, I'm waiting on something. I, I, I asked you for this and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he forgets. Like he can't see you. Like he doesn't know where you are. But, but it, the oath really, what it means to be, to have an oath, an oath is a solemn promise. And this is what comes with the blood. Amen. The Bible says that through an oath and a promise, God is keeping his covenant to us. So we talk about the blood, that part is the oath that he has sworn. Amen. Uh, oath is a solemn promise, often invoking a divine witness regarding one's future action or behavior. So we have God's solemn promise. Solemn means he means it with all of his heart. It's his solemn promise and divine witness regarding our future, our action, and his behavior. Amen? A vow is a pledge. A vow also means to be bound in your conscience to perform a particular act truthfully and faithfully, and it's a solemn declaration of truth or an obligation. So when God swears by no higher and swears by himself, and he signs it in the blood of his son, his heir, his his only begotten that's 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 the most precious thing to anybody is their children and so god sacrificed his child so he means what he says 
His word means what it says. When he says that, that he, he will, will bless you immeasurably, he means that. It's not like a little bit of trickle or, or only if you're good or only if your faith is just perfect. Whose faith is just perfect? I don't know. But I come to him with the most believing I have. I'm not holding any faith back for a rainy day or anything. I'm putting it all in him and I'm not trying to wait on a plan B in case he don't come through for me. I'm all in on what, what I'm believing God for. Amen. All the marbles pushed in the middle of the circle. Amen. For what he's going to do for me and not holding any. I don't have a plan B. I don't have another source I'm going to go to in case he fails me. Absolutely not. But God is bound in his conscience to do you good. Whatever it is you're praying for, his conscience has bound him to do that. What does that mean? That means that no matter what happens, he's going to remember you. His conscience reminds him constantly, doesn't yours? Your conscience tells you to do right and it lets you know what you're doing wrong. So God's conscience is bound in blessing us. It's bound in doing good for us. It's bound in, in making sure that everything that, that we, we have prayed for has a due date and it's coming to pass. And he's on the case all the time. He's not slack concerning his promises. He's not waiting on you to shape up or anything like that. He's allowing you, and if you need shaping up, he'll move you over into the realm of greater obedience so that he you can receive what you have. Amen? What he has for you. So when his conscience is bound in something, that means he can't forget you. That your your blessing is on schedule. In fact, if you're bold enough to ask him to get it early, give it to you early, he'll get it to you early. Amen? He'll do whatever you ask him to do. Because he cannot forget us, his, and he won't be a victim of, of a bad conscience and say, oh, I didn't do that for them, I forgot. That, that's not God, amen? He's never going to do that. And that's why he makes us make vows in certain areas. The only vow you make is to him and to be to an earthly spouse. But when you make that vow, your conscience is bound into it. That's why people can't just walk away from a marriage at the first drop of a hat. God keeps reminding you. In fact, there are people married, divorced and remarried, and they still feel bad about the first one. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it, it's a vow. He ain't playing. You really think you could stand up before people and tell and make a promise in front of God, a vow to God in front of somebody and walk off like it didn't mean anything? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you understand me? Because you're a human being with a conscience and God's going to work you over to get you to see that, yes, it is possible. I will do that thing. I'm the great reconciler. If I brought you to me, I can bring you to somebody else. You understand me? And straighten up everybody. Amen? So that's all God's doing, folks, is keeping his word. The blood does that. That blood ain't cheap, and it does its God job. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word, for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, helping us, and keeping us in all things, Lord. Oh, we thank you, Lord. You're so good to us. You're so good to us. And Father, we have a good conscience about you now. We just love the fact that you give us understanding of how important we are. We 
got to be so important to you for you to sacrifice your only your only begotten son that life wasn't cheap and we know it cost you dearly lord and we will live by your word so that his dying would not be in vain and we will live for you jesus because our living is not going to be in vain we're going to do this thing we're going to do exactly what you put us in this earth to do and we bless you for it lord in jesus name amen and praise god if anybody needs prayer come on up and i'll pray for you praise god